and it, it's it's a different level altogether. I think think the difference between the likes we're obviously going to choose Liam, right? Because right. we'll talk about top of the game. Yeah, it's level of desire to not be looked at as a coward and there's no way, shape or form. I'm the only word I can think <laughs> of. Or a quitter is just, it just doesn't exist in his mindset. Mm-hmm. It won't exist in his mindset. If you've got that slight sort of get out clause, that get out clause will be louder when you're in pain. That clause will be louder when you're under pressure. That, that, that get out clause will be huge if, it's, if you're up against it. Welcome to another episode of the Science of Building Champions podcast, where I chat with top-level fighters and coaches and dive into their stories to discover what makes champions. And today, I have the honor to speak with Vinny Shawman, a former Muay Thai coach, a fight commentator, and mind coach who's in demand around the world from professional fighters, TV stars, to everyday folks struggling with doubt. Thanks for joining me today, Vinny. Brilliant. No, no <laughs> I know you're a busy no fella, problem. so I appreciate you taking the time. I'm to... not today. <laughs> keep saying it because it keeps saying it. People say that, oh, no, you're really busy. And I'm like, am I even looking through the window and watching YouTube all morning? <laughs> no, but yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you're a nice fella. And I've been over spoke to you before a few times. And it's always been uh, enlightening. So yeah, thank you very much. No, I'm not great, mate. I mean, to say I've spoken to you before. I was thinking, when did I first actually meet you properly? And I think it was you came down to do, I uh, say down. So you were down in sort of Cambridgeshire, that sort mm. of area, doing some of your um, Muay Thai mindset seminars. I think yeah. it was about twelve years ago now. And I think yeah, about. it was a, it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was back when uh, I was going to say I was taller then, but I'm not grown the same size, um, same height. I know. Um, yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, since then. Obviously, lots of things have happened, etc. But uh, yeah, it's it's the, the game that I'm in has, has expanded and learnt more and more education, more uh, less mistakes, etc. And more learnings. It's been good, great journey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you've got that. You've got a lot of strings to your bow. So Muay Thai coach, probably a lot of people know you from the the Muay Thai commentator side of things. Yeah. Um, but of course, that that sort of mind coach, um, which mm-hmm. is. Obviously, for for fighters, you've been applying it for that, but also everyday folks, isn't it? With anything they're kind of struggling with in terms of yeah, confidence. I mean, and more with uh, you know, people do get caught up on thinking that I just work with fighters and athletes. Absolute, uh, it's, it's a fallacy that um, mm. yeah, I work with everybody in in all in all, uh, in all shapes and forms and all walks of life. So yeah, but I mean, predominantly Muay Thai was where I was. You know, commentary at a gym first. I used to fight. Um, not very often. It wasn't it wasn't my thing really. Um, and then it became a coach, and then and then from there, commentary, and from commentary came an interest in uh, the mindset, and yeah, and that's how it flourished really. So, how did you actually get into Muay Thai in the first place? Then, what's the story there? I was fifteen, um, and the local leisure centre. There was a friend of mine called Russell Thornley. He was in my class at school, not in my class at school, in my my year. Right. I heard of this Thai boxing stuff. Uh, I always liked ninjas and kung fu and jumping in the air and booting things, <laughs> splits and uh, of the like. And um, yeah, I went and watched uh, Master Sken or Grandmaster Sken as he's called now. He had a gym there. And um, 
seen him flying around with the, the greatest of ease and uh, decided to that's what I wanted to do and yeah and then it became it becomes a uh, an addiction then doesn't it like you know yourself yeah yeah and you, you say so you, you say you, you did you did do some uh, you had a dabble with fighting as well but you decided that wasn't that wasn't for you wasn't really for me. Uh, it, it was. Uh, I always I had a, uh, an analytical mind and used to question what everybody told me. And that, that, that sounds like I was being insulin. I wasn't. Um, it, it just became. I just used to question what people said, and didn't you know? Didn't really think. Well, that won't work. And uh, maybe it, uh, it was too overthought things. But it wasn't my thing. It wasn't. Uh, I didn't see the point. For some reason, I didn't see the point. I liked sparring. I liked everything else about it, but yeah. I just didn't see the point. And um, yeah, it became a lot of pressure for me personally. It became a little bit too. Uh, it became too embroiled in it, and I think that's where the mindset comes from. You know, to be honest, on yeah, I think that's where I where I struggled to see to see a, a positive outcome in it all. Um, I think that's where the 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 embers of the fire was lit to, it's not the embers, the, 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 the fuse was lit to, for me to go down that path of, of understanding as to why I didn't um, perform, because physically I could do it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was physically gifted, if, if that makes sense, but it was just the mental side. I didn't really see the point. There was too many what-ifs. I was more worried about losing than winning. Right. It was strange. It was more, the focus for me was more about if I lose, a, B, C, instead of, well, there was never if I won. I did win. I mean, I had seven and I had eight and won seven. But I mean, it, it, it still stuck in my mind. And um, and then when I did lose, it wasn't the worst thing ever. Anyway, so it's uh, it's an, probably an anxiety mindset that I had back then. So, and because you're young, you're a young man, you want to win. You feel like if you do lose, it's the end of the world and, you know, everyone, everyone will hate you or the, the world will implode. And it certainly doesn't. <laughs> and it's, it's down to the uh, i guess the frequency that we tend to fight outside of thailand as yeah. well there's so so much yeah. so fewer and far between that there seems to be more pressure on every single fight doesn't there whereas in thailand they're kind of it's it is another day at the office it literally is you know weeks apart the fights rather than months isn't it so it's probably less pressure yeah and in thailand they say oh brick arm no problem mm-hmm. no kill no my pillai it's like, all right, <laughs> you broke your arm. Oh, it's okay, rub chilli on it, it'll be fine. Um, and I think that, <laughs> you know, it leaves, leaves, a lot to des- leaves a lot to be desired medically. However, I understand that they, they don't put massive emphasis on winning, unless it becomes big money and stuff like that. So I get that, I get that, um, get that mentality. But with, for a young Mancunian um, and, and in the, from a council estate, it's reputation... Um, always right. was quite important as I thought back then was important yeah. So, yeah. And, and how did you shift then from from well doing some fights kind of thinking yeah it's probably not for me into thinking but I'll hmm. coach this um, accident I think my life's a whole accident <laughs> my kids and uh, <laughs> although I do claim that I do claim that sometimes when they're getting on my nerves no I'm only joking um yeah, I mean, to, to fall from going into teaching, it was just one of those things where in, in my system, what I was brought up in, there was gradings, et cetera, and the higher your grade, then the more senior you were, and if Master Scan couldn't make it, you'd teach. So I became a higher grade level, and whether you believe in that sort of thing, it's up to you. Um, 
and I, then the, you know if, if I was a senior one there and I used to teach and I, I liked it I, I kind of uh, enjoyed it more seeing people improve and putting across my spin on what I thought would work etc and then it become yeah and it just grown from there really and that shift of the mindset side then and deciding right I'm actually going to coach this how did you start on that was did you actually approach someone for help how did that come about I was teach I lived in Sweden for a while um oh. and I was training over there with a very good coach called Krista Bergenall who I found out he's still alive so and that was a while ago um so uh, that was nice here and he trained um some good fighters called the Mustanen brothers from Finland. And uh, they brought Yamadans, et cetera, over just, so just a side note, really. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it, I went boxing. I stopped high boxing for a while. I started amateur boxing. I fought in that. Only had one and won that one, um, first round. And, um, and then I just started to, I, I went for a few rocky patches relationship wise. Um, to say the least, and um, I started going down a path that, I mean, it was always fit and healthy, really, because of the discipline Muay Thai gave me. But I started getting drunk, started I split up with the kid's mom, I started um, taking dancing powder, and, um, <laughs> yeah, and not a lot of it. I've never had a great deal of it, but, you know, yeah. I'm not going to sit and send that I sit on a cloud and I've never done anything wrong. And um, I just basically going off the rails, really. And um, I went to a seminar from by a man called Keith Mayer, who works for Liverpool Football Club, and he's still a friend of mine now. And he was a neurolinguistic uh, NLP master uh, practitioner and a right. practitioner in, in hypnosis. And I went there and I felt good, and I didn't realise why. I didn't know why I felt good. I just listened to what he said and felt better. I don't even know why. That's subliminal and um, hypnotic yeah. language, etc. And I just felt good, and um, I wanted to do that. I wanted to know why. And then it became an obsession that's not stopped really. So yeah, it was uh it was circumstance and fate that put me in the in the hands of it. And thankfully it's uh it's been extremely kind to me. Yeah. And you, you've managed to work with that yourself. You then moved into helping others. You could recognize yes. how that could help others as well. Yeah. Was it predominantly with fighters initially? Was that the could because you were in that Muay Thai? Yeah, category? it didn't it wasn't what I set out to do, but because I was well known in the circuit, because of commentary, because of um, having a gym, etc. Uh, you know what? I, you know what? I, if I, if I, if I'm really honest, I don't know how it happened. It just <laughs> caught sort of snowballed, and I just started enjoying it. And, and it was back in the day when there was AxeKickboxing.com. Yes. Went on there. People started talking about going to see me for different things and feeling better in fights. So it was always the missing link between, you know, don't be soft, get in there, you, you know, don't be a coward or whatever. People yes. might say, oh, you've got, you know, and you'll be all right. Never cures anything. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then it, it just became a, a, a whirlwind, really. And it's swept me off my feet, really. And then it, it became, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I have predominantly worked with fighters. The main, the main lead into getting for, for per se stardom, if you will, for this job, um, it's not stardom, if you will, but um, notoriety uh, was with Joe Schilling from um, the Glory World Series. Right. I worked with him and uh, he mentioned me on the Joe Rogan experience and then uh, Joe Rogan was very interested in that and then from that, 
came, me going on there and then predominantly being, you know, sought after, which was great. Yes. Yeah. I just bring it back to, to Muay Thai for a moment. Then We'll, we'll come back uh-huh. to the, the mindset stuff. Yeah, sure. There's so much that you can dig into with that. But um, what is it that you appreciated about Muay Thai from the, from the beginning that, that drew you into that? Um, I, I wanted to kick people in the head. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say, look, yeah. it was the art and the sport and, and the tradition. I'm not going to lie. I, I wanted to be out, kick people in the head, and boot people and fight five men. You know, in this Jackie Chan type world that I lived in, I've always been a big comic book fan and superhero right. fan. And I'm back from the 70s when the $6 million man was around and all that. <laughs> and um, I wanted to do that. And then then I started to realise that it become a way of life. It become a fascinating sport. And, and the people involved in it, you, the, they shared a common denominator. There was a the high level of respect that people shown each other. And it gave me it gave me a um, discipline that I never had as a child. I was I was always an unruly kid. I wasn't uh, violent or horrible. I was just not. I just like messing about was much more palatable to me than listening. And then um, Muay Thai gave me that. And then it, it was the only time where I didn't. I never got any. I got praise for drawing as a kid. Um, I, was, I was pretty good at art, but I never got praise for anything else. It was it was just one of those things. In my my upbringing was. Uh, working class, get on with it, uh, get a job, get you know, get you know, leave school, get a job, stay in it, get an apprenticeship, or whatever. There was never any real ambition from anybody around me at that time. They just went with the flow, etc. You know. So I, um, when I got praise for Muay Thai off Master Skin or off whoever Humphrey Oliver Oliver Harrison sadly passed away. Yeah. Um, th- them telling you that you're good at something was like, you know, 50 commendations that you would get at school, you know? <laughs> so it was, it was something where I found that I was enjoyed. I was, I was, I was all right. I, I don't say I was great, I, but, you know, it's not egotistical in, in any way. But to, for them to say something like you did well and did good on the grading things, it g- gave me a massive boost. So it gave me a lot. And I owe a hell of a lot of um to Muay Thai and, and I love Muay Thai and I love the, the what it's given me and and I, and I but if you I believe if you put your heart and soul into it you get it back and it yeah. really has paid dividends for me and I, I would not change a thing so is your appreciation of Muay Thai different now to to how it started your your whole sort of perspective on Muay Thai from when you yeah. were initially attracted yeah, because it. It, it, when I when I was involved in Muay Thai, they, they weren't really full rules. There was there, there were five, there were three two minute rounds. Yeah. There was five two minute rounds for for you know B class, and then five threes for A class. But there was never any elbows. We we know like I don't think there was any full rules were fought very rarely. The likes of Ronnie Green would fight full rules, or um, you know. Oliver Harrison or Humphrey or mm. other people, but there was it wasn't big. Everyone wasn't doing it, and there was not, not many ties come over. And when ties did come over, they just wiped the floor with people. <laughs> they were they were they were they were the ties from the night. You know, we couldn't compete with them. Right, there was no competition. You know, they you throw you all over, we clinch. It was more like a a kickboxing taekwondo derivative, really, of Muay Thai that we had back then. 
Yes. Still, they were still fantastic athletes, still tough men, but the the the, the, the level of experience was vastly um, different, and that's why you've got to admire people like um, Ramadeka, Ronnie Green, Oliver Harrison, Humphrey, um, you know Lisa Howarth, etc. The people that took part in fighting these people that were vastly more experienced. Even the Dutch had us had so much more experience than the British. So yeah, yeah, it was um, it was a different era altogether, different completely. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? I was talking to Damien Trainer, and he was saying about how strong the influence was of the Dutch fighters because yes. there wasn't really anything else at that time to tap into. You kind of, you, you, there wasn't that much on TV. It was like Eurosport. There was a, a few things, you know, there wasn't that much influence other than what you were seeing with the Dutch style as well. And of course- No, there wasn't. We had a video of, um, I think there was a guy called Byron Kolak and he trained at Shakariki camp with Tom Harrink. And um, uh, Michael Van Hetten, his name's and Theo Wilson, and I, I, we watched that video that many times that we could almost speak Dutch with the commentary because it was it was just um, so you know so worn out by by watching it. But yeah, it was all leg kicks, lo- hooks to the body, low kicks, bit pretty much like Damien's style anyway, which is very explosive and enjoyable to watch. Yes, uh, good fighter, Damien, nice guy. Um, but yeah, there was no intricacy really, like clinch sweeps, like you see Liam doing and Sanchai and Superbank yeah. and all that. You know, there was there's none. Of, there was none of that. And and now that you know, there's a whole myriad of things that other people can watch and and, and take in. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a healthy time for Muay Thai, and it's also a great time to learn all sorts of fantastic technique. Yeah, there's there's so much being shared now, isn't there? So much, yeah. so many more references you can look at particularly with yeah. social media videos really the 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 availability of video to kind of watch and learn the technique from that and then try and mimic that and mimic different styles yeah. it's just a lot more i guess people styles as well of different fighters so people can try on a lot of different styles themselves to see what fits them now whereas it used to be not so so many different variations to look at yeah so one, like, one size fits all wasn't it yeah and, uh, now it's like if you're tall and you're range, you got you can clinch, you can elbow from a distance, knee, or you're short and stocky, a la Harrison, you know, Liam. You know, it's it's yeah, there's this there's so many and, and YouTube is just an absolute godsend, you know. Yeah. You know, I you know, I, I've often been watching like uh, Satmon Khan or uh, oh, what's my favorite? Nam Kubwan, he was my favorite. Right. Watching yeah. him or just they were so much cooler than the ties now, I think. if we if we take it back to kind of like the mindset side now so we're looking at what makes a champion what do you do you think with your experience um are the important traits or what makes a a champion um the the main thing that makes a champion is is like look i've seen so many good technique technical kids technique and they can sweep and they can score and they can do all that oh in the corner and all that sort of stuff but what'll take them to the different level is they're not tough enough right they've not they've not stressed their nervous system enough for it to for the unconscious mind to go okay we'll go this other level they haven't they won't get it they they, they're just they're not hard enough some of them aren't hard enough that's sort of mentally mentally you mean physically and well mentally anyway you've got to be mentally tough to, to go through the ridiculous amounts of pain that you have to, you're going to get tested. You know, you, you know you're going to get tested and a, and a lot haven't. And you, you can't get that. 
you can get it through training. Of course, you have to get it through training. That's obvious. But there's just something that you've got to have. And I think that is an ingredient that you'll find that a lot of them will just miss that top level. Right. Is the, is the absolute pressure of, of saying, look, I w- it's interesting what I think is like, look, you can quit any time. It's your choice. Yeah. You've got to live with that. Or could you live with quitting? And then they'll say, no, I can't live with quitting. But can you really live with quitting? Can you say, yeah, but with this? And it, it's it's a different level altogether. I think, think the difference between the likes, like, we're obviously going to choose Liam, right? Because right. we'll talk about top of the game. Yeah, it's level of desire to not be looked at as a coward and there's no way, shape or form. I'm the only word I can think <laughs> of. Or a quitter is just... That it just doesn't exist in his mindset. It mm-hmm. won't exist in his mindset. If you've got that slight sort of get out clause, that get out clause will be louder when you're in pain. That clause will be louder when you're under pressure. That 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 get out clause will be huge if it's if you're up against it. And I think that's the difference between the level of of um, getting to the top and not is absolute a hundred percent toughness. Yeah. And and it sounds like, I mean, from my perspective as well, um, that that toughness is a habit that you default to. So it's yeah. it's something reinforced with habit in training and everything yeah. you're doing. Do you yeah. take the easy route or not? Because yeah. like you say, kind of when when the pressure's on, you'll default to the to the path that's trod the most. And if it's yeah, mm-hmm. that's enough, that's what you're gonna do rather than no, I keep yeah, of course we, on. We, but we live in a comfortable world. You know what I mean? We live in we live in a comfortable world where it's like, you know, we can we've got phones, we've got iPads, we've got warmth, we've got heating. You know, this this this, you know, crawling through broken glass just just to just to get through where you have to get through. It's a rarity now, mm. and it's a and it's a rarity because we justifiably we live in a, in a, in a we should really live in a kinder world, you know, and um. Well, we do in the Western world anyway. And we haven't, we, it's that desire that, you know, does it, is, is it a sport or is it what you are actually willing to, without sounding cliche, to die for? Are you willing to? Mm. And some people go, yeah, yeah, I am. Until it's like anything, it's like, you know, I've had a hip replacement recently, right? I'm just going off the subject, but get it, yeah. get it mixed in. And everyone said, oh, a hip replacement, you'll be up and about in a week. Or you'll be walking around, I'll tell you what, the best thing you ever did. And you're like, oh, great. Now I've had it done. And I'm not up and about bouncing around in a week. And I'm not, it's been a month. And I've not and I've not been this, this, and this. I be feel a little bit cheated. You understand? Right. But it's like people, it's about people can say it's easy. Oh, you'd be all right, and then I'll I'll die for it. But will you really? Because when you're at that point. You've got to go, look, there's a cliff there. Now you're either going to jump down and build your wings around in the end while you're not going down, or you're just going to get splattered at the bottom or don't jump off the cliff. You've got to make choices. And I think a lot of, and I think a lot of people like the idea of being Insta, Insta-famous with your gloves on and you're stood with sweating at Yokow Centre in the training. But the other bits, the iceberg, you see the bit at the top of it, but you don't see the blood, you don't see the snot, you don't see the tears. You don't see the doubt. You don't see the darkness, and that, and that's that's what you've got to go through. All that to get to the top, and I, and I think 
And I think if, you, if you're willing to do all those things and be congruent with what you believe in and congruent where you're going, then yes, it's achievable. But, it's, but the thing is, they're called champions for a reason because at the end of the day, it's not fucking easy. Mm. Excuse my French. It's not easy. I don't know how to swear in French. But you know what I mean? It's it's Stuart Merde. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) That's the only thing I know. But you know what? It's 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 the differences that make a difference is 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 how far you're willing to go. And it goes beyond the training gym. It it goes into a very dark place. And you have to be honest, it goes a very dark place, and you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And a lot aren't. But if you are. Crack on, and there is kids out there that, that will make it, no doubt. But to to for a but to make a champion, hard work, dedication, fitness, everything's got to be there, and that's down to dedication and, and focus. But I think to make it, you've got to be willing to do what an other guy won't do. And if you're not, then oh, that's, it's not the end of the world. But mm. it's at least you find your level. That's my yeah. opinion. I th- I think Muay Thai actually helps. To, to set that level so high because of the the physical risk, I guess. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, ego risk massively as well, getting knocked out mm. in front of everybody potentially. Yeah. Um, but th- it does push things to that nth degree, doesn't it? Where it does yeah. really, really test your grit. Not like, oh, you know, would I stop here? It's yeah. you really push that limit where it's not just it, you want to stop. You have to override that. It's not just it's a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. It's it's properly pushed the real boundaries there. It's yeah, and and I mean, I mean, and and that's that that's why, you know, I'm I'm fascinated with watching people. Like I know Liam's story off by art. You could write a book on him, I think, mm-hmm. um, because I know what he's been through. But I know a lot of of a lot of people have been through. Frankie others, lots of different fighters, world champions. You know, who I know, I know very well on the personal level. And what they go through is, you know, it's extremely arduous and, and extremely, um, it's an emotional roller coaster. And, but I, I just think it's down to, you've got to have a, just an unwavering desire that when it's going against you, see, it's all right, everyone can, everyone can run about when it's sunshining. So easy to go jogging round the round the woods when it's when it's when it's sunshine in it, but when it's pissing down, when your legs are hurting, when you when you when you're hungry, when you're starving, when you when you don't want to do it, when you when you split up with your girlfriend or your car's broke down or that single-mindedness is a very rare thing, and that's why champions should be admired and revered because that's what they go through. Yeah. They actually face my up. Dog, my dog's got a cough, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> my dog. She's got she's King Charles Spine. She's got a bad heart, so she's just gone. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're talking about challenges there. Um, yeah. And uh, how they, they help you out. You know, they teach you lessons, don't they? But what are the, the sort of greatest obstacles, the greatest challenges that you've personally experienced and what have you learned from those? Um, a extremely abusive ex-missus. Um, <laughs> Oh. Learned from that. No, I'm not going to lie. Learned from mm. that. Um, what did that? What have I learned? Um, the, the main the main thing I've learned in life is I, when I was when I was younger. I I come from a I come from a council estate and and all that sort of business. The relative hood, if you will, you know, rough <laughs> part of Manchester called Longsight and Partington. And I came from. And what I had was I had a I had a an attitude problem because anybody that spoke well, like a good self, 
or anyone that had uh, their mums had a, a car. If a, your mum had a car, it was blew my. How can your mum have a car? Your mum and dad have got a car. And I had this real chip on my shoulder of of anyone that spoke well, anyone that did well. I had this mindset where they would have had to tread tread on people to get that. You know, it didn't happen to working class people. It was this, right. it was them and us sort of thing. And it, and it became, a, it became a, a real problem for me up until I'd say into my 30s, really, when I realized that, you know, you've worked hard for what you've got. You weren't born into it. And all right, you may have been, may have been born into your dad has a better job than my dad. Well, my dad was an alky anyway, but I mean, and a, and a loser. But I mean, no, it's a true story. But it's like, <laughs> I always thought that was, you had a privilege. I thought there was privileged people. And it turns out, of course, it's not true. And I had to learn those lessons. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. Because also, I didn't realise that mental toughness, you know about mental toughness, you immediately think about David Goggins or Liam or Triple G or Lomachenko or Khabib. You think of this mental toughness, but studying, reading a book, when you don't want to, when you've got, when you've got, when you think you've got to read, finish this book, and then you've got an essay to read to finish. Because I never did well at school because I was messing about too much and, and thinking, well, it was for idiots. Turns out, obviously, I was wrong. To have a mental toughness to be able to finish a book, to be able to sit an exam and focus—that's mental toughness. So people who are out there and thinking, I'm not mentally tough. There is so many things. Mentally tough is learning to play a guitar. And then keep getting it wrong, but to, to, till you get it right, you know. And, and I just think it was what my problem was was me. My problem was me when I believed this idea that money was the root of all evil, and you know, it's them and us. I was completely, completely and utterly led up the wrong path, and I don't know why I was like that. But um, yeah, and, and um, it took a while to unlearn it, but I'm thankfully I'm there now, you know. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, that's interesting because um, you know, obviously accents make me sound different, but it's um, yeah. dad was an, an engineer doing shift work and stuff like that. And uh, I, I guess relatively, relatively well off in terms of, you know, mm. we had a car, dad had a job, food, all the rest of it. Um, mm. But my, my kind of dad is um, very strong on the old mindset, you know, mind yeah. over matter. You, you yeah. crack on very, very physical. Yeah. He wanted to to be a boxer when he was a kid, but mum wouldn't let him, you know, so he didn't do that. He was actually um, born in Edinburgh and um, yeah. he, he uh, taught me lots of life lessons. It was, it was always, everything was character building. So anything that sort of happened that was wrong is like, that's all right. It's character building, you know, and it's, that's, that's how I felt. And I think probably because things were relatively comfortable for me, that's probably why I sought out things like, well, originally contact sports because anything that didn't involve a bit of physical challenge and risk just didn't interest me. Um, mm. Whereas Muay Thai was the one that kind of uh, yeah. like, actually this this pushes the boundaries here. And I think there there is a there is a need really to push into what's uncomfortable to really sort of grow and learn, isn't there? And, it, and I think yeah, of course either either people's lives are giving that to them in in a certain yeah. aspect, or they probably go out looking for it in some way. Yeah, it, and and exactly what you said. I mean, I just I wasn't I wasn't guided. I was never guided, well, at all. You know, and, I'm, and I'm sometimes look at my kids and 
I say things and da 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 and the way the way they I've tried to guide them and I'm saying I'm a hands-on dad and I'm wonderful dad and this and this. I'm not. I just I just do what I I never had, you know. And I was never. I, I, we was I had asthma as a child, so I wasn't physically good at any sports. I could make people laugh. I was good at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 I was never given any guidance, and, and Muay Thai, in many ways, gave me a gave me a guidance that said, "Look, you know, you can do something. You, you can be good at this. There's the rewards of it." And then you know, you started girls started to like you because you look physically better than you did, and you could do the splits and always promised wonderful. Um, wonderful mindsets of fantastic sex, and they really got disappointed. But never mind. But um, you know what I mean, though. It, it, it became it became something, and it gave me a platform to be a commentator and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it, it, it's to be honest, I, I genuinely believe if if I hadn't had Muay Thai, I'd be dead, or I'd right. be in prison. I think I think that's where I would have headed. I would have been on drugs or hundred percent. Because I wanted, to, I was always chasing something for a buzz, and um, I probably would have ended up taking drugs or I've uh, been dead or in prison. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, because I was that. I was that type of kid. I was that type of kid. Yeah, you know, I was going to set fire to that and would have done. <laughs> Not to hurt anybody, but we, it was just a. I had a. I was loony. I was a loony. But uh, yeah, Muay Thai uh, gave me that, and and I still to the, before my mum passed away, she used to say. All the time um, about Master Skin, like um, I, I, I owe him. She said to it, she used to say, "I owe him a lot because right. he taught you words." So I, I've always got that love for him, you know, and respect. Yeah. If you could go back and change anything, then w- would you change anything in, in well, either in your life or how you've trained or coached or anything like that? Regrets. Um, uh, well, I guess uh, not like regrets, but would you change hindsight. anything? Yeah. Um, no, not no, because mm. I've met so many wonderful people, you included, yeah, that are nice and decent. I'm not, they're not lying to you. You're a nice guy. And I've met so many wonderful people and been on such adventures. I've been all over the world. You know, I've, I've travelled to places where I wouldn't have dreamed of doing that as a kid. Not a chance. Going on aeroplanes and flying, being paid to commentate on Borcal, Sanchai, Giorgio <laughs> Petrosian, Liam Harrison, Jordan Watson, Andy Sauer, that you know, I know them personally and they know my name. No, anything in the butterfly effect would have jeopardized that. So <laughs> not not in the slightest. These things I regret saying, these things that people I regret falling out with, I guess. But other than that, no. It, no, I, I wouldn't change anything. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Really like wouldn't. you say, there is a cascade to everything, isn't there? And there's this stuff you learn from even the stuff that goes wrong. You know, that's, that changes who you are, doesn't it? You, of course I, it does. Most you back to some of the stuff that, um, that would, at the time seemed bad. I'm always afterwards like, I'm glad that happened. It nudged me in yeah. another direction or just woke me up to something I hadn't even considered. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's just... One thing that reiterated that I wasn't bad at school, as bad as I thought I was, was when I got me my hip replaced, um, the, the, the surgeon that replaced it was in Leeds, Nuffield. And when I was reading the, the thing, the surgeon, and he said, John Conroy. And I went, well, there's a Jonathan Conroy in my class at school. Well, no, nothing of it. 
And I went in and I was hobbled in, walked in with my limp. And he went, are you Vinnie Shawman? I said, yeah. And he said, are you Jonathan Conroy? And he went, yeah. And it was my friend. It was, it, it was, my, it was in my class, my actual class at school. And I said to him, I, I said, I was awful at school. I was, I was naughty. And he said, you were naughty, but you were never bad. He right. said, you were never nasty. And that really broke something for me, you know. It did, because I thought to myself, you don't, because it was a while ago, I'm 51. So it's a while ago, you think, well, was I, was I? And he, and he said, no, he said, you was naughty, but you was never bad. And, and that really, it, I don't know what it did in, in the, the unconscious mind of mm. how I was. He made me happy. And hence, <laughs> hence, I had the best surgeon and, and the most trusted surgeon I could ever have. So, yeah, it was good. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's, the, it's the values behind what you're doing, I think, are the most important thing rather than what's actually happening. So it's kind of like yeah. if, if your intention is to, to actually <laughs> sabotage people, mess them up or whatever, that's one thing, isn't it? But if you're just yeah. kind of being mischievous and almost not considering the effect on other people, there's, there's something you learn, I guess. But it's well, yeah, I got, I've got attention. Motive. Right. I got attention. It was attention. It was, you know, it's funny because I, I have a, and I don't know whether I'm this, this, the same mindset as other people, but I always remember people for laughing. I have this picture because I, cut a long story short, I live now in where I, where I was brought up as a child um, for circumstances that happened. So I'm living in the same area. But I see there's a lot of people from school or a lot of people that I know from around the area. And I always remember them for the, how they laughed. Yeah. So it obviously, it obviously meant something intrinsic within me yeah. to, to, for me to recognise that. I have to, you have to recognise it, don't you? It's perception, is projection. So, and, I, and, and, and I just think that because I made people laugh and it, and it made people happy, I think that was always the, the, the thing for it. It was never a, a, a vindictive type of um fun you know yes yeah and do you know what it's, it's funny i've been i've been looking into sort of memory recall and all this kind of stuff as well and it's yeah. one of the big things as i'm sure you'll probably know is that emotion associated with the memory is the bit that banks it if there's no emotion then it's yeah. gone so something yeah. like making someone laugh and the emotion of that i can see how yeah. that just that was indelible that just stored and everyone's yeah unique when they do that aren't they not just the sound of it but their expression their face as they as they laugh that's yeah that's and, it, and it's laughter is a wonderful medicine isn't it and, and it's just something that recently because the circumstances recently what's going on there's mm. been a there's been um so so uh little of it you know yeah that's yeah very very much so um mm. i'll just it's brilliant what you shared there but finally i just just want to sort of round things up for you here now yeah. so if if there was like one piece of advice that you could give to someone to be as great as they could be and whatever it is they choose to do whether it's muay thai or, or anything what what would that be from from your point of view and your experience the, the one thing the mantra that i hold for me and my children and 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 for people is be decent it's be decent i don't care what you believe so i'm Conspiracy theorists have been. Uh, uh, I got insulted this morning on Facebook saying you're blindfolded, you know nothing, you're an intelligent guy. It's some of the lines of you're an intelligent guy, but you're stupid <laughs> and you're blindfolded and then left a kiss, which is all contradictory in terms. But there you go. But um, I just think be decent. I just think it, it, if you can be nice to somebody, be all right with somebody old school values old, old doors for old people 
good morning, you're all right, and 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 be nice and and try and be kind to everyone. That's the main thing. I don't care if you've got a belt. You know, belts are great and it's fantastic, but at the end of the day, they gather dust. You ask any champion, they just they shrug the shoulders. It becomes part like a new, you know, you want a, you know, you want this amazing car. You get it. Eventually, you drive it and you look at something else and see something back. That's always the case. I think trinkets are trinkets. I think it's great if you want to do it and there's ambition and you know, I'm sure I'll be watching and supporting people that want to be a champion and do well. But I just think being decent, I think that's the main thing you should be. Is yeah. no one's perfect. None of us are gonna get out of this alive. So it's just, you know, just be decent and, and be all right with people. You're not gonna like everybody. I'm not saying you should give everyone give everyone the benefit of the doubt if they if the if it resonates in you that people are not very nice then fine, it's not very nice. Sorry, my son's walking past. But I just think be decent. Like you, you're a decent man. You're a nice guy. You do things You do things because you want to help people out. You don't have to do this content. You don't have to put the things out that you've put out that I've seen you do. You don't. But there's something within you that's decent, and I like that, and that's why I resonate with people like you, and I just think it's, I think people should do it more often. I don't think, sorry, I'm going to ramble a little bit. See, I believe people can have religion and that's absolutely fine. And I've got no problem with people believing whatever deity or whatever God shrine, whatever they want to worship. But I think we'd use less of that if people were nicer to each other. We wouldn't need to look at beyond the human, the, you know, the, the human um, element if we were just all right with each other. You know, be careful what you're saying. Now you're saying this is going to happen and that's going to happen and the, the government are doing this or they're planning to do this and planning to do that. Why are you spewing all this out, these children listening? And when they listen to that, you try and undo it. Yeah. You try and undo it because, because, because that will be ingrained in their psyche before the age of, say, seven, and you're going to hope that the government are trying to do this because COVID will, go, COVID will go away. But the indentation of telling them that everybody's a crook and this, that and the other won't. So you've got to be mindful of what you're saying around the people that are smaller than us. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds bang on, Vinny. Thanks. Thank I, you. That was that was awesome. Really appreciate you no sharing problem. that with us all. And no um, hope that helps people out. Thank you for having me on. It's, and I'm very honored and very flattered that you asked me. Cheers, Vinny. And I look forward to kind of getting to see you properly once we are all allowed to travel around. Definitely next time yeah. I'm Bolton, I'll have to sit down and proper chat with you and see how you're getting on. You can on. go to Bolton, I don't live there though. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go to Bolton, mate, if you want to be friends with Bolton, crack on. I was thinking but, uh, that's, the, that's the next time I'm probably likely to be up at Yokow uh, or something like that. Oh, Yokow, yeah. I yes, that's what I was yeah, thinking I mean, of. Look, yeah. Let's let's just hope this all this this dark cloud goes off the world and uh, we get yeah. to better times, eh? I'm sure we will. It's just going to take a bit. Yeah. Bit of a test. It's another test. <laughs> 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 okay, it's, the only, mate. it's the only test I've ever passed in my life. Oh, we have a driving <laughs> test, I did all right. And the HIV test, which is always a good one. Um, always remain positive unless it's HIV. We yeah. are, um, you have a good day and uh, we'll speak soon. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. I appreciate Take your time, care. mate. Bye, bye. Bye. You can find out more about Vinny's work on his website at vinnyshorman.com and you'll find him on Instagram at vinnyshorman. And you'll find links to these with this episode. And if you found this valuable, please like, subscribe and share with someone it could help too. And I'll catch you next time.